Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Now, we are, we've been in a journey across the past few weeks talking about how to win over sin and, and the practical, uh, how to win over the habitual, sinful practices and behaviors in our lives that plague us as followers of Jesus. Now, if you're not yet a follower of Christ, and we know there are many of you here who are not, you're checking things out. Uh, this, if, you'll, if you'll listen closely, you can look over back into the backyard of the family of God and, and see how God can help you with your lifestyle. Uh, and so that's what you'll see. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, we get down to some of the really, really practical ways that we can break the, 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 the patterns or the, the struggle we have where we say, why do I keep committing the same old sins over and over again, and what can I do about it? We're going to get way down to the here's what you can do about it today. Um, remember, we, we have discovered from God's Word already that you cannot live what you do not understand. And you cannot understand what you have not heard. And so Jesus said, let him who has ears to hear, hear. Let him who has ears to listen, listen. That means to listen with the intent of understanding. Uh, Not be passive today in your listening, but to listen aggressively. So do that again. Now, based on the past three weeks, those of you who've been here, uh, you now know... And you now understand some things concerning your status uh, and salvation with God through faith in Jesus Christ. You know that some things are true. And they are true no matter how you feel. They are true no matter your circumstances. They are reality no matter how you feel. A couple of years ago, about this time of year... In the 11 o'clock service, we, we started the service and we walked in under blue skies like it was today. It was cold, but blue skies. And uh, at the end of the service, Pastor Michael Ray, our executive pastor, got up and said, I need to tell you something. Um, it has been snowing for the past hour. Well, we can't. And everybody kind of went, yeah, right. He said, no, no, it's been snowing for the past hour and there's about two inches of snow already all over the parking lot. I need to give you some instructions. Some of you thought, it's blue skies. I don't, it doesn't feel like it snowed to me. Didn't matter, did it? Didn't matter whether you, you felt like it was true. It was true. True is true whether you believe it or not, whether you feel like it or not. There's some things that you've discovered that are true that happened to you. It is reality when you placed your faith in Jesus, and they are true whether you feel like it or not, whether you, uh, uh, no matter your circumstances. And so here are a few of those things. Here's what you can say. Here's what you can know. If you have received Jesus, if you have been converted, if you've been born again, if you've been saved, whatever language you use in your tradition... You can say this, because of my belief in and active trust in Jesus Christ for my salvation, I am a new creation. The old me has passed away and a new me has come into being. I have a new heart and capacity to love and to respond to and to obey God. 
I have been given the gift of eternal life. I have been set free from the penalty of my sin because Christ died for me. My sins are forgiven. My past, my present, and my future sins have been forgiven, washed white as snow, removed as far from me as the east is from the west, and God will remember my sins no more. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have been declared justified and set right with God by God. Up there, out there, in his courtroom, legally declared righteous before God, uh, and and the righteousness of Christ has been credited to my account. I have been placed in union with Christ, joined with Christ, immersed into Christ, and therefore I died with Christ and was raised with Christ and given newness of life. I have been adopted and am now a child of God. I have been redeemed from slavery to sin. I have died to sin, and I am alive to God. I have been made able to not sin for the first time in my life. I have been made able to not sin. Christ's Holy Spirit indwells my body and is in the process right now of continuously, progressively transforming and renewing me to become like Jesus in value and character and behavior. Every bit of that's true for you. Doesn't matter how you feel. The Bible, so how do you know? God said it. God said it. He said, this is what I have done for you and in you when you trusted me for your salvation. And you can declare that and you can, and you can know that. Now, we, we learned last week also that what we know, we must also believe. There's power. The Holy Spirit of God uh, uses this powerfully when we acknowledge it is true, when we reckon it to be so, when we believe it to be so, when we consider it reality, when we count it to be true. And so we can say this, so therefore I now reckon it to be true, I believe it to be so, I consider it reality, I count it true no matter how uh, I feel that I have died to sin. Sin no longer has power over me, dominion over me, rule over me. I don't live there anymore. I am alive to God. In other words, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to reckon it true. I'm going to live as if this were really true. That's what living by faith is. It's living as if what the Bible says is actually true. That's what living by faith is. So I'm going to consider this to be true. I will live as if sin has no power over me. I, li- I will live as if I have died to sin and am alive to God, that all these things are true. I, and so, now, to win over sin on a daily basis, you and I must understand this gospel and what God did to and for us when we placed our active trust in Christ alone for our salvation, and we must consider by faith that it is so. Now, for the, now, now, set all that to get you to the next steps. Two steps today. Really one big step, but I'm going to describe it two different ways. So you got your note sheet? Good. Got your, I've got you some scriptures there, but turn in your Bibles to these passages. The next, so we could say this. We need to know something, which we've already declared. We need to believe it to be true. And third, we need to act 
I'm going to tell you, so how do we act? Here we go. First of all, we act upon these truths by yielding ourselves to God. Take a look on the screen. We do, here's what we do first. We no longer let sin control us. Leave that up there for a while, guys. We no longer let sin control us. Now, in that sentence, who is responsible for action? What? Yeah, not God, right? We are. He says, now we do this. Look at, look at Romans 6, uh, 12 and 13. Let's read this out loud together on the, the screen. Ready? Here we go. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. Let's leave that there just a second, guys, uh, longer. Now, remember and repeat to yourself this, that when you were converted, you died to sin with Jesus and the power of sin over you was broken for the very first time in your life. You were made by God able to not sin. You have been made able to not sin. Prior to Jesus, you were not able to not sin. Now, I'm going to keep hammering this because uh, it's critical to understand this that, so that we can win over sin on a daily basis. But now you have been made able to not sin by God. In other words, write this down. You now belong to your choice. You now belong to your choice. God has now given you the spiritual power and condition to choose. You belong to your choice. And here, here's the way I'm going to... If you, want to if you want to know the sermon in one sentence, Bill, this is the way I try to get it down because it's the only thing I can remember is one sentence after I finish. To win over sin... No, here's what you do. You win over sin one choice at a time. You win over sin... One choice at a time. And you only have to do it one choice at a time. Because there's only one opportunity that comes at a time. You went over sin one choice at a time. And so the first choice that you make every day when you wake up and then throughout your day is to not let sin have power over your being. You have the power to not let sin have power because of the work of Christ in your life. You choose to not offer any part of your person, any part of your body to sin, and you do it one choice at a time. Now let's talk about the human body just a second. We are more than a body, but we certainly are a body. We have a mind, we have a will, we have emotions, but we are a body. And, and he speaks in terms of the human body. The human body was created by God. Every part of it and every part of it is good. Your entire personality was created by God and it is all good. Every part of you, your mind, your will, your emotions, your body, your soul, your spirit. But sometimes we as believers choose to offer parts of our body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness or as the Holman Christian Standard translation says, as weapons of unrighteousness. Sometimes we offer our ears to sin by what we listen to. We choose to listen to gossip and to slander and crass and profane speech and lyrics to our music that promote hate and promote the sexual abuse of women. Um, our ears sometimes we offer to sin as weapons of unrighteousness. Sometimes some of us here have offered our eyes to sin. 
as instruments or weapons of unrighteousness by what we choose to look at, gaze upon, not just what we see. Sometimes things flash before our eyes, but I'm talking about then what we take the second look at, uh, what we gaze upon, uh, pornography, immorality. I'm amazed at how in our culture, especially men and boys, are choosing to gaze upon violence as entertainment more and more. And we wonder why our culture is becoming more, the most the violent culture. I mean, we buy games for our boys to play, where they, where, not where they actually are the person killing other people. What are we thinking? Say, so, well, it's fun. Yeah, well, so? Get rid of that stuff. You, you really want to train your sons to be the person killing, see other people die on a screen, and they do it? May I submit to you that that could possibly be a bad idea? We, 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 we give our eyes, I mean, and our entertainment, what we watch on television, movies and TV, uh, sometimes some of us have submitted our, our lips, our tongue, uh, as an instrument of unrighteousness by what we say. Angry words, hateful words, destructive words, words full of malice and slander and gossip. And so well, I'm only telling what's true. Well, remember what, we, what the Bible says? Just because something is true does not mean that it should be said, that it should be repeated. Um, Filthy language, words that hurt people and tear people down. Some of us have submitted our stomach as instruments of unrighteousness. By, I mean, by what we eat and how much, what we drink and how much. I mean, let's quit joking about that. It's, it's costing us a bunch of money in this country because we eat and drink the wrong things and too much of it. Um, some of us have submitted our hands, what they do, and our feet, where they go, taking us where we shouldn't be, with people we shouldn't be with, doing what we shouldn't be doing. And let me just, can I just say it? Some of us have, have submitted our reproductive organs as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. And we're in trouble because of it. Now, every one of these were choices. Every one of these were choices. So the first thing every morning, we decide not to do something. We decide not to let sin have power over us. And so here's, some, here's a way that you might pray. Let's just listen to this. Lord Jesus, here at the beginning of this day, I thank you that when I placed my faith in you, you set me free from the power of sin over my life and gave me the ability to not sin. So help me by your Holy Spirit to not let sin have any power over me today. By faith, I choose to not let sin rule in my body today. I will not offer a single part of my body to sin to be used as an instrument or weapon of unrighteousness. With your help, Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord Jesus. So start praying that way. Does that make sense? You just pray the Scriptures, and you make the choice up front. I like the way that the message translation of this verse says it, Romans 6, 12. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. You don't debate with it. You don't, you don't give it the time of day. So first, we stop something. 
We stop doing something. We choose not to let sin rule at any point in the day, and we pray to Jesus about it. Uh, And then we do something. Number two, jot this down. Number two, we put our sins to death one choice at a time. We put our sins to death one choice at a time. Let's read this verse together. Romans 8, 13. Ready? Here we go. For if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. Come on, out loud. Here we go. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, let's leave that up there a second. This is a little more difficult to understand, so let me, let's, let's choose to work hard here. What do you mean, put our sins to death? What could the Bible possibly mean, Pastor? How do you do it? Well, first of all, you do it one choice at a time. One choice at a time. Now, now. Remember, when we are born again, when we are saved, when we are converted to faith in Jesus, uh, we begin our salvation with Jesus. Even though we died to the power of sin over our lives, we no longer live in sin, that land of sin. We no longer live in that realm, in that uh, dominion. Uh, We no longer live uh, under the power of sin. However, our indwelling tendencies towards sin, the habits that we've developed, and the temptation of sin and to sin are not eliminated. In fact, they will not be eliminated in this life. So you need to understand that up front. They will not be eliminated in this life. Um, However, they were rendered powerless. They were rendered powerless. So, it's kind of like uh, in a war, when, a, when, one, when one army defeats another army, and yet rather than that army being completely eliminated and surrendering, the remainder of the army scatters into the hills or into the jungles, and they, they harass the occupying army for years to come with guerrilla warfare. Our old sinful tendencies, what the Bible calls the flesh, uh, they remain. They remain. And they keep tempting us. They keep attacking us from three sources, and we'll deal with those in weeks to come, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Sinful society, our own fleshly evil desires that have not been completely sanctified yet in the process, and the devil himself. There are three sources of temptation. So, um, in other words, when you came to faith in Christ, remember you were not completely transformed, were you? You didn't become immediately like Jesus. The remains of our old sinful habits um, leave us open to temptation. Now, that is why, here, finally, here's the why you have been continuing to battle the same old habitual sin over and over again, and some of you never being able to win over it, even though you are a follower of Jesus. It's because this, this stuff hangs around. It hangs around. So, the Bible says here, we are to put to death the sins of the body. Now, put that back up there, number two. Can you, can you back it up? Who's responsible for that? We are. We are. We are. This, God says, we are. And, 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 and it says, you put to death the deeds of 
the body. Now, let me define this. This is the practice of, of putting off sinful attitudes and actions and putting on Christ-like character. And this involves a series of choices. And you do it one choice at a time. Just remember that, one choice at a time. And remember, Christ has now given you the power of choice. You didn't have it before you were a Christian. You didn't have it before you were a new creation. Your old self did not have it. He's given you the power of choice. He's made you able to not sin. You now belong to your choice. And so we choose in every situation, at every intersection of temptation, wherein there is the opportunity to commit sins or to not commit sins, we have the opportunity to choose. It happens all the time throughout every day. And it is through these choices that we develop habits, either sinful habits or Christ-like habits. Habits are developed by uh, repetition. And it is in this arena of moral and ethical and lifestyle choices that we can develop spiritual lifestyle, a Christ-like habits and, uh, and patterns. Take a look at this passage on the screen, Romans six nineteen. It says, For just as you offered the parts of yourselves as slaves to moral impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, underline that phrase, greater and greater lawlessness. We're going to come back to that. So now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification. Results in sanctification. Now, let me talk about, look at me, look at me a second. Let me explain this. Let's go back to the Christians in the church at Rome, who the Apostle Paul was writing to. The, the believers in Rome, he said, had formally, prior to faith in Christ, offered the parts of their bodies as slaves to moral impurity. Remember, you got to serve somebody. You're either a slave of sin or a slave of Christ. He said, you, you previously offered the parts of your body uh, as slaves to moral impurity, slaves to sin, and to, the result was what? Greater and greater lawlessness. So what he's saying here is that the more they sinned, the more they were inclined to sin, the more they were inclined to that sin, the more they were inclined to that sin. He speaks of you multiplied sins. The more you sin, the more you wanted to sin, the greater your capacity to sin, the more you developed in your mind, will, emotions, body, soul, and spirit, these ingrained patterns, tendencies toward sin. It was easier and easier to sin habitually more and more and more until for many of us it becomes full-blown addictions. That's all addictions are, is that they are habitual sins that have gone to the place that they are, we are now in its grip. Joe, some of the old Christian writers call those besetting sins or, even, or strongholds of sin. That's how we get there. That's the road there. We choose over and over again 
to sin. That's what the Romans did. Same thing happens to you and to me. What was true of the Romans can be just as true to you and me today. Sin clouds our reason. It dulls our consciences. It stimulates our sinful desires. It weakens our wills. And because of this, each sin that we commit reinforces the habit of sinning. this, This is pretty simple. It reinforces the habit of sinning and it makes it easier to give in to that temptation the next time until finally it becomes automatic. The temptation to a particular sin comes and without thinking, we just run, it just runs the course all the way to the bottom. We just sin without thinking. Does that make sense? Is that sounding familiar? I mean, I've experienced that. Haven't you? Sure you have. Of course you have. This is, the, this is what God's trying to help us with as, uh, as, um, as believers. So throughout the New Testament, it speaks of this pattern of putting off the old and putting on the new. Putting off the old man, putting on the new man. Putting off the old self, putting on Christ. Read uh, Colossians chapter 3, about the first 12 verses there. It, you'll see that putting off, putting on. Putting off the old, putting on the new. And so uh, here, here this, we're seeing this again. Don't put off, stop offering the parts of yourselves to sin so that it produces greater and greater lawlessness. Instead, put, put that off and put on Christ. Put on the habits of obedience because in you have the choice. You do it one choice at a time. Now offer the parts of your bodies as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification or maturity or becoming more and more like God. Now, the word righteousness in Romans 6.19 in this passage does not refer to right standing with God as this term meant in chapter 3. Here it refers uh, to, to practical, daily, moral, and ethical living. Our actual conduct. What we actually do and are to practice. And it says that this sanctification here refers to holiness of character. So here's the takeaway, guys. Here's the takeaway. It is through righteous actions that we develop holy character. Righteous actions. Holy character is developed one choice at a time as we choose to act righteously, empowered by God's Holy Spirit to be able to do so. In, a, in any and every situation in which we face throughout the day. We can make the right choice because Christ has broken the power of sin over us and, um, and the Holy Spirit uh, indwells us. So remember, last week when we talked about 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, it said, train yourself to be godly. See that? Remember that? Well... We are to exercise, this is how we exercise ourselves in the spiritual realm. It is by one choice at a time. God gives us a workout. Here comes the temptation. No matter the temptation, God said, good, this is an opportunity to strengthen your spiritual muscles. And you work it, you, you get stronger by the choice. Now, take greed, for example. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 14, the Apostle Peter describes some men as having, and here's what he said, a heart trained in greed. 
Not just greedy hearts. He said they had a heart trained in greed. Trained to be greedy. Now the word trained in 2 Peter 2.14 is the same word used by Paul in 1 Timothy 4.7 when he wrote, train yourself to be godly. Peter said that these men had trained themselves to be greedy. They got there by training, one choice at a time, by choosing to be greedy at every opportunity until they were trained. Just so you and I can train ourselves by the help of the Holy Spirit to be generous by choosing at every opportunity to reject greed and act in a generous manner until the day comes when we just naturally are generous. God has worked it into our, even our bodily tendencies. Our, our, our natural reaction in the game is to react toward generosity with our time, with our talents, with our treasure uh, on all fronts. We train ourselves. God wants to train you and train me in the right direction. He wants you to make the right choices when tempted. Uh, but, but here's where the going gets tough. You see, we, w- we would like to be rid of that sin that plagues us, wouldn't we? I mean, we, right? It, that one that's bugging you? you? Let's think of your number one pr- sin problem. I, I'm thinking of mine right now. I'd like to be rid of that. Good, good. You must hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's the first step. Number two, we are willing to, and I bet you have even prayed that God would, even, would take it away. Anybody done that? Let's raise your hand. God, would you take this away? Would, would you, and maybe you've even prayed, God, would you take the temptation away? Have you prayed that? I did. What I've discovered is that probably won't happen. But God was good, but it's necessary to pray. God, take it away. Help me with this. But this is where we have difficulty. We may be wanting it to go away and even praying that it would go away, but we've not been willing to say no to it. We've not done our part. We've not been willing to say no. No. Practice it with me. One, two, three. No. No. I mean, that's a powerful word. No. It is a Holy Spirit-empowered ability that when we look with the temptation for that same sin, when it's right there and so easy to say, no, (gasps) I had the power to say no. Now, we're going to talk about what no looks like practically in weeks to come, but, but we have been unwilling to say no. You see, we think that wanting to be rid of it, and we think that praying for God to take it away is enough. It is not. The Bible says it is not. There's something we must do. They are necessary. They are necessary, but we must say no. We must make a choice. God will not make the choice for us. He will not do it. It is only through making the right choice to say no to sin and yes to obey God in the moment that we will break the habit of sins that we struggle with over and over and develop habits of holiness instead. And this is where we desperately need the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit to help us, to be at work in us, both to will and to work for His good ways, as Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says. We beg Him, and so every day, cry out to God the Holy Spirit for His help, for His power, moment by moment. Moment by moment. Help me, help me, Holy Spirit. 
I'm tempted. God, help me. Help me see the avenue of escape that you promise you'll give, a, give me and then give me the power to choose to take it. Because he says he will, all, he will give us the power. He says there's no, te- no sin or no temptation that has come to us that has not been common to every man. But in every circumstance, he will give us a way of escape. Now, sometimes we misinterpret that verse to say God will not give us more than we can bear, and we think of it in terms of, of suffering and bad circumstances in life. That's not what that verse means. He's saying there's no temptation that will come our way that He has not given us the power to escape. A Christian, therefore, legitimately can never say, I can't help it. You can help it because He makes you able. We just need to look for the the avenue of escape and take it. Ask for His power to take it. See it and take it at every point. How many, how many choices at a time? One. One choice at a time. Now, when we, are, when we are talking here, we're talking about sins, not sin, not the realm of sin. We don't live there anymore. We're talking about specific sins. We, again, we cannot eliminate our, our fleshly tendencies or temptations in this life, they'll be with us until the day we die. But we can put our sins to death. This means to subdue them. That means to deprive it of its power. This means to break the habit pattern that we've developed of continually giving in to the temptation to that particular sin. The goal here is to weaken the habits of sin so that we do make the right choices. Now, this means also that we must have to be a universal uh, rejection of sins. We can't say, I want, this one's causing me trouble, and I want rid of it, but, you know, I kind of like this one. I'm going to keep it. No, no, no. It means that we have a universal repulsion of sin and a... And a constant desire for obedience to God to fight sin. So, so here's the question. Pastor, where do I actually start? Here we go. You start, first of all, jot this down with a right attitude towards sin. You must have the right attitude towards sin. And let me explain it this way. Just put right attitude towards sin. That means, first of all, we, we stop seeing our sins as something primarily that makes us feel bad or makes us feel guilty. I want rid of this because it makes me feel bad, God. Now, that's a, that's a decent motivation, but that's, that won't get us there. We must see sin as King David saw it in Psalm 51, where he said to God, against you and you only I have sinned. And what he was saying, he'd sinned against a bunch of people. But he first and foremost saw his sin as rebellion against a holy, loving God who loved him infinitely. As a despising and mocking the authority of a sovereign God. And of a blatant breaking of the very, very good law of God. And seeing it as causing our loving Heavenly Father 
great, great sadness. Breaking, it, 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 God describes our sins as His children as breaking His heart. See, God has feelings too, the Bible says. It grieves God. Our sin grieves God. Some of you may have not had a loving earthly father. Many of you did like I did, but I bet you had a loving earthly mother. And it, it, it might not have bothered you if you and your daddy didn't get along or if he was not a good father. It might have not have bothered you to disobey him. You might have done it despite him. But when your mama cried over your disobedience, what did that do to you? Dang. You know, there's a lot... Steve, there's a bunch of stuff I chose not to do as a high school student because I knew my mama would find out about it and it'd break her heart. I loved my mama. She loved me like crazy. Well, I loved my daddy too. He loved me like crazy. There's a whole lot of stuff I didn't do because I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't bear to hurt my mom and daddy who were so good to me. We mu- you must first start with an attitude to understand that your sin, first and foremost, breaks the heart of a perfect, loving, heavenly Father. It grieves Him. And it is actually rebellion against His love and His authority. That's what you're doing at every point. You are despising God. Despising Jesus in His death on the cross for you and His resurrection for you when you sin we first begin with the right attitude towards sin. So meditate on that. Think about that. And uh, we need to focus on it, and that will help us to desire God's will over our sinful desires. Second, now let me see your eyes. Last thing here. You, um, you just got to have, you're going to have to have Christian community to do this. You were never intended to live the Christian life in isolation. You're going to have to have uh, other Christians to help you do this difficult work in your soul and your life. You need a life group. And those of you who are in life groups, you've got to stop being so shallow. Just talking about the dumb football game or, you know, you know praying for the dead and, you know, spending prayer time, praying more, spending more time praying to keep saints out of heaven than keep sinners out of hell. You you got to get or you got to get one or two trusted Christians in your life group that can talk to you about this stuff and that you can confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed that you may admonish one another and teach one another and rebuke one another you got to have some people around you to break this stuff you got to do that's why that's why I encourage gender specific life groups for adults now I know a lot of you ladies want you want your husband to go to life group with you and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that there's a lot good to that but I'm just telling you if you want him to deal with his stuff he's not going to do it there he's not going to mention anything with a bunch of women in the group men you sit next to your wife aren't you <laughs> yeah I saw it I saw it I heard you when you drove up in the yard I did so I'm telling you ladies you, your husband's not going to deal with his sin in a group of, with, a, with, a, with, a, with women in the group. Do you really expect him to say, I'm struggling with pornography with two or three of your girlfriends in the group? Really? No, he's not. He's not. 
Uh, guys, some of you just need to form men's life groups and women. Form women's life groups, and you, you may get some actual stuff done, but you've got to be in community to do this. Well, I'm not finished, but it's time. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.